Are you getting the most out of your hunting experience? How much are you leaving on the table? How much harder can you hunt? How much smarter can you hunt? How much further can you go? How much further can you push yourself? We're here to answer those questions for you and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies to do so. Let's get this started. What's up, everyone? So I have decided to do a podcast, and it's going to be about hunting and fitness, or if you want to call it uh, human performance and hunting. And the reason I've decided to do this is I've, I look around the hunting space. You know, I've been hunting my entire life, and now I've been a you know quote unquote professional strength and conditioning practitioner for a little over, I guess, twelve years now. And you know, so I what I see in the hunting space or where I see it at right now with uh, fitness is it's, it's, it's pretty far behind when you, when you compare it to other sports or if you want to call it a discipline uh, like football, baseball, basketball, hockey, you know, th- uh, sports like that. Um, you know, so all these sports really at the professional levels have saw the importance of strength and conditioning, how it relates to performance on the field and, or the court or the ice or whatever you want to call it. So, now, some sports obviously have uh, the strength conditioning has caught on faster than others. Uh, football was really the first one back in the 1980s, and uh, you know sports like golf, you can actually see that now. Uh, finally, strength conditioning has become a, a really important thing in golf. Uh, baseball's a little been pretty late to the game, but uh, you know as far as hunting goes, there isn't a, there, there there's a lot of information out there. Um, you know, you have hunters talking about what they're personally doing for their strength and conditioning, but there isn't a whole lot of professional strength and conditioning practitioners really talking about hunting out there. So uh, one of the things really, which is the reason I wanted to start this podcast. So we're going to have a lot of hunters on talking about their experiences and I'm going to be asking them questions, you know, about how their, their physical conditioning played a role in their hunts and maybe even how, if they may have done things a little bit better from a from a conditioning standpoint, mobility standpoint, um, anything that we might get into, how it may have helped them, and then I will also be talking a lot about hunting and even hunting strategies and tactics and and, and things like that and stories and uh, it's going to be a really fun podcast. So you're going to want to follow the podcast and listen to the the people that we have on and it'll be there. We'll have strength and conditioning practitioners on that aren't necessarily hunters um, talking about how, you know, we look at certain things and how we develop strength and conditioning programs. So hope you guys enjoy this episode and listen to more episodes. And if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, other than that, let's get this party started. So this episode, I have my good buddy Shane Allen on, and we get into some some great topics. And Shane shares a, a number of different hunting experiences with us, and how he gets in shape for hunts, how he prepares mentally, physically. We talk about gear and uh, a number of other things. And I just I really respect Shane uh, for a lot of reasons. He's a guy that just absolutely gets after it. He's super passionate about hunting, and uh, not only that, he's He's got a full-time job, uh, a really uh, high-demanding job, and uh, family, and 
uh, even with all that going on, he's been just insanely successful at hunting. I, I believe he said that he's taken elk and elk every year for 30 plus years. He's, uh, you know, mule deer, antelope, moose, bear. Um, I mean, he's hunted, he's hunted all over the map and is just an, an, an also an incredible source of information for, for all things hunting related and outdoors related. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey, what's hey. up, Shane? How are you, Bubs? Good. How you doing, man? Good. Staying, uh, staying warm out there. It's not bad. It was a little brisk this morning, <laughs> but yeah. Sun's so out, we're so. so we're recording this podcast, and we're we're dang near record lows here in Southern Colorado. And um, yeah, I think last night, in the, so I'm in Colorado Springs. We got, I think it got down to minus seventeen, and holy cow that, that i haven't i haven't experienced that low of temperatures um that often i think there's been maybe a few times but and you're in you're in pueblo right yeah down here in pueblo west yeah we got down to 13 below i think and wind chill at one time when i looked it was like minus 23 24 so <laughs> yeah it reminds me of when i was back in montana growing yeah. up i guess yeah pretty, like pretty gnarly stuff but um, i tell you what though the older i get the you know, this cold just kills me. I yeah, just, I don't know. I'm the I've same, man. I, I don't know what it is, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know if we get soft or what, but yeah, I'm kind of the same way. We used to go up in Montana. We go ice fishing up in Fort Peck Reservoir and shoot all the way up close to the Canadian border and be literally 30 or 40 below. Wind would be blowing and we'd be out there ice fishing. And like, I look back on that. I'm like, what the heck were we doing? There's no way I could do that now. <laughs> I, you know, I think part of it's, I, I think you just, it, you just, I don't have this itch to kind of experience something like that. And then, I mean, that's for me anyway. And then I think part of it's just, just to see if you can do it to kind of, to kind of test yourself. But I think you can also get to that point where you just enjoy what you're doing so much that the conditions, no matter how gnarly they're, they are sometimes it just kind of, it's a little bit easier when you're really passionate about something. Yeah, absolutely. And you prepare for it and dress for it and right you're young and dumb and you don't care so <laughs> exactly well man I, I really appreciate you taking the time i know you're a busy guy um to get on the, the podcast here and um you know so the I, I uh i started the podcast me and a buddy of mine mike barnes you know we kind of been bouncing around the idea of you know getting something where you know we basically talk about you know we're both in the strength and conditioning field and i happen to you know be hunting uh, or into hunting, you know, most of my life like you. And, you know, we kind of saw a need out there for, you know, something that, that there's kind of that bridge between hunting and fitness, or if you want to call it uh, performance, human performance and, and hunting, you know, there are, there are more people talking about that now out there. But, you know, Mike is, a, uh, and we'll, we'll have him on quite a bit too, but, you know, he has a background. He was a strength conditioning coach for the, the San Francisco 49ers. And then he worked at the National Strength and Conditioning Association as the education director for uh, about, I think, I believe about six years. So he was able to rub. And so for you guys that don't know what the NSCA is, basically it's the, the gold standard uh, in, in strength and conditioning education. So Mike had, uh, had the opportunity and still does uh, rub shoulders with some of the best strength and conditioning practitioners really in the, in the entire world. And he's even one of those guys himself. So 
you know, I, I kind of hooked up with him about, a, I don't know, a little over 10 years ago. And just recently, you know, we kind of got back to talking about hunting and, you know, what maybe we can do as far as educating people on how to get fit, how to perform for hunting, because it's kind of a, a sport where it's still really in the infant stages when it comes to, you know, that, that, that conversation as far as human performance goes. But um, along with that, we also want to make sure that we stay focused on the hunting part as well, because we both understand what specificity means, meaning that, you know, to get better at hunting, you have to get out and hunt. And you also have to do all the things uh, that you would do as far as your weapons, getting accustomed to all the different aspects as far as terrain, the animal you're pursuing and things like that. So um, that gives you kind of an idea of what the kind of the scope is. But I think uh, what I think what we might start off with is how you kind of got started into hunting. Um, you know what, uh, what I guess your history kind of timeline with hunting and even fishing or the outdoors or any kind of stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Bubs. Um, you know, I, I, I got thinking about this in the last couple of days and um, like, where did it start for, for me? And, you know, I grew up in Montana, southwest Montana, a little town called Three Forks. It's about 30 minutes west of Bozeman. And, um, you know, I was really born into it. And the beauty of growing up in Three Forks is it was really a, a hunting community um, growing up there in the early 80s or through the 80s and 90s. And it was just a it was a lifestyle. And, you know, there's there's different people that have different backgrounds and some people are just picking up hunting now, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old. And I just feel that, uh, you know, a lot of my success and, um, uh, you know, in, in many aspects of my life comes from being raised in a community of that was surrounded by hunting. Um, you know, I think back to, uh, you know, the earliest really, you know, I think one of the things that if I reflect back on when did it become a true lifestyle and something that I was essentially obsessed with. And I remember when I, I think I was eight years old, my brother was seven. Um, and my parents and I, so my mom and dad, my brother and I all went up in the mountains and we were trying to figure out the shed hunting thing. And, uh, you know, we come from a long heritage in our family of shed hunters. Um, hey Shane, could you just clarify what that means for people that don't know what that is? Sure. Yeah. Shed hunting is really when you go out and you look for antlers off deer, elk, um, anything that uh, deer and elk are really the primary moose occasionally, but uh, all these animals that lose their antlers yearly. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, you know, growing up in the eighties, it was, nobody really did it. Right. And yeah. um, now it's, it's really, you know, become a, a thing where everybody does it yeah. and it's gotten to be really competitive. And, um, but, but, Going back to where my roots started, you know, my dad's cousin, um, he actually was picking up shed antlers outside of Yellowstone Park up there in Montana in the 60s. My dad was was young then and they would go drop him off on a weekend and he would come out to the highway and have literally piles of antlers. <laughs> and, and everybody thought he was crazy. Well, it turns out he put his, his daughters through college by selling antlers and he actually has a uh, museum up there in this little town that I grew up in, Three Forks. Dude, I, like seriously, like you know, I know, like so we haven't just so you guys, everybody knows, like we haven't talked about any of this stuff before, and one of the reasons I wanted to get you on uh, is to actually ask you all these questions because I mean, so I've known you for we've known each other for a little over ten years, I think, and yep, you know, I think little by little we both started to understand, like okay, 
we're both a little nuts when it comes to hunting and, and even, you know, looking for sheds. I, you know, I have a similar kind of story as far as, you know, looking for sheds from a young age and, um, and it, it, it's hard for people to understand how cool it is. I kind of, I guess I, I use the example of like, it's kind of like you're a treasure hunter type, you know, there's kind of that, uh, that, that you're trying to find something that's unique that you've never uh, seen before and every shed that you pick up is is something special no matter how small it is really for me even however old it is um, it, it's just a it's a really kind of special thing but it's really because people I don't think know much about it and I, you know I like I we've talked about this I think I probably I mean maybe excluding some hunts that I've been on it's it's probably my favorite thing to do in the world <laughs> oh absolutely yeah. yeah people think I'm nuts because I would rather I'd rather go shed hunting and have a good day shed hunting, then go, uh, go kill a bull elk. Yeah, honestly. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but yeah, come by that honestly through our family and check it out. It's online. I think it's Jim's horn room is the name of, uh, the website or it's Jim Phillips in three forks, Montana. And it's insane. The, uh, antlers that he has, and he's built this really cool museum out of it. But anyhow, so as a kid, my dad was exposed to that we decided as a family, you know, young family in Montana that we wanted to go and start shed hunting ourselves. So we, we picked this area out where, you know, it was a spike only area and to find a, any kind of a, a bull elk up there was really hard. Well, um, about that time they changed it. So it was uh, a draw permit for bulls and there started to be some quality bulls show up in this area. And I remember the day that we went up and we were actually successful for the first time shed hunting. And I was eight, my brother was seven, we're up on top of this ridge and we found a couple of like old five points, white five point elk horns. And I call them horns, but they're truly antlers. Um, <laughs> that's just the uh, old school part of me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't and, start and, calling them antlers till probably like three years ago. So you're good. <laughs> I never will. So just get <laughs> yeah. used to it. Yeah. Uh, anyhow. So we're hiking off this ridge and my brother and I, about the same time we looked down and we spot this brown six point elk antler. And, you know, we're up on top of this mountain. My parents were down on the bottom and I remember yelling and screaming and they thought something was wrong. They thought we were getting attacked by a bear, but <laughs> we came off that hillside with one of us had a hold of each side of that six point elk antler, which at that time we thought it was the biggest antler in the world. And it was like a 300 inch six point, which is a nice six point bull, but it, you know, anymore, that's kind of just average. But yeah. man, that from that day on, our whole family was hooked yeah. and, um, you know, actually, that's kind of really the first memory I have of, you know, I remember going hunting when I was real small and, and stuff like that. But I think that was really when the passion was ignited, not only in me, but my whole family. And we would get out there every single week. And if people ask me, you know, how I grew up or, you know, if I went to church growing up, I would say, yeah, it was in the back of a 78 Chevy Blazer uh, <laughs> with my family. And we were up on top of the mountain. Yeah, and that's bad that was every weekend. Um, and actually my mom ended up doing taxidermy out of our garage in Montana. Um, while her, while, while she raised us boys. So yeah. she was into well, it just as much as we were. So t talk about kind of, uh, you know, what, what, so you obviously hunted elk most of your life. Um, tell us kind of, you know, I guess, uh, you know, we've got as much time as you want to go today, but, um, talk about kind of the hunting, like what kind of hunts have you gone on? What are your favorite hunts, you know, states that you've been to hunting, uh, just kind of give a, I guess, a, a, a not like in depth, but like a summary of kind of like the, the, mostly the type of hunting that you do, maybe where you go, 
Um, you don't obviously have to tell everybody your specific areas and, and honey holes, but um, what, you know, just a little kind of brief history of, you know, do you archery hunt, do you gun hunt both like sure. that kind of stuff? <clears throat> no, you know, I, I, I think I killed my first elk when I was, I, I did when I was 12 because this year marked uh, 30 years in a row of uh, successfully elk hunting. Um, and I attribute that a lot to my family and just the way I grew up. But uh, yeah, I hunt a lot of elk. Um, mule deer are, are my passion. So I hunt mule deer. Um, occasionally I'll hunt whitetails. This year I got into the coos deer hunting. Um, I got lucky. I shot a moose this year in Colorado. Got uh, pulled a sweet tag and once in a lifetime tag and spent a lot of time at that. Um, I've hunted anywhere from Alaska. I've hunted uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan. Um, and what else did I hunt? Uh, British Columbia. And I, I pretty much put in, in for all of the Western states uh, in the lower 48 um, that have any kind of a chance to draw an elk or a deer or, or antelope tags. So um, last year, I think I ended up hunting five states um, anywhere from I hunted Montana, Wyoming, um, New Mexico, Arizona, and where else did I hunt last year? Colorado, obviously. So, yeah. um, anyhow, just, uh, yeah, I, I do it, you know, it's gotten to the point now where I've, I've, I've been putting in for all these States for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. So I'm getting up there in points and, yeah. you know, getting pretty well established. And, um, I, you know, I absolutely love the draw system and statistics and digging in and learning new areas. So, um, I spent a lot of time doing that and, and just doing research. So, yeah, I, you know, but, uh, largely largely western big game and you know i've, I've done a few uh, exotic not exotics but uh you know kodiak island i've hunted kodiak i've hunted uh, moose in british columbia um a few really cool hunts like that so go go into that dude that's awesome i didn't even know some of that stuff um go into kind of the preparation what kind of preparation would you do for uh let's just talk about an elk first like um and then maybe go into like some of the other stuff like what kind of preparation uh, as far as, you know, you can talk about physical preparation, you can talk about equipment, you know, any kind of gear that you use, but kind of the, what are the most important things as, as far as what you do to prepare for a hunt? Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's ever, evol ever evolving. Um, oh, and how much, and, and I think it's also important to talk about how much time, sure. like in general, uh, and, and just kind of as specific as you can talk about the preparation. Uh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, if I reflect back to when I started elk hunting, right, it was, um, it was a weekend basically largely weekend warrior type situation where, you know, occasionally you might take a Friday off and, and go out and, um, you know, the guys that tried the hardest and went the furthest and they generally were successful, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a different climate anymore. And it, I believe it's harder today to be consistently successful, um, at hunting than it's ever been. Um, and, and I largely attribute that to just the amount of the amount of pressure, uh, the amount of people that are out there getting after it, uh, the equipment that we have, the technology that we have at our fingertips. Um, so it requires or especially, or, you know, it, it has required me to um, become more more efficient at, at what I'm doing. And um, really, it's it's not. Uh, hunting to me is not a, I don't show up in September 
um, you know, start shooting my bow in August and show up in September and, and go out and, and, you know, try to be successful, um, on, for a few days or a week long hunt. It's, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, I pretty much train year round. Um, you know, I'm not extremely hardcore when it comes to training, but I'm always out, you know, I'll, I'll run, I'll, I'll, I'll hike. The, the, my favorite training is hiking. There's nothing like getting out and hiking. And it's not, not only am I doing that to get physically in shape, but man, I just go pick a new area that I've always wanted to go to and, um, hop in there. And, you know, that's how I find some of my best hunting spots. Um, and, and show, sorry, Shane, to cut you off. Nope. What, so now let's, let's also clarify, you mostly are hunting in public land, right? For most of the stuff. Yeah. You know, I was, I would say 90% of the animals I've killed in my life have been on, on public. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Large, largely public. So right. yeah, it's, I, I spent a ton of time at it just anywhere from, you know, the physical side of it. it, it it's one of those things where, you, man, especially as, you know, I'm getting, I'm 42 years old now. So, uh, you, you're getting up there too, bub. So you, you know, that, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, it, you know, the crazy thing is, is the, when I was 25, you know, I could have went so much harder than I did, but I didn't have the wisdom to go with it. So right. it's like these, these two intersecting lines and you try to hope that, uh, you know, where those two lines intersect, where you're, you have, you're most wise and physically able to still do the hunts. You're, yeah. uh, you're making the most out of that time. And I feel like I'm right in that center right now. Well, and, and, you know, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and Mike and I have actually been talking about this quite a bit. And so when, when we're talking about hunting, you know, we like to talk about hunting, you know, I, I like to, it is definitely a sport, but it's different in a lot of ways to like, you know, playing a sport like football, basketball, baseball, and that, you know, it's a variable, ter- you're always in variable terrain. Right. And, yep. you know, you're always, you know, for me anyway, especially depending on what I'm hunting, you know, if you're hunting sheep or goat or depending on where you're hunting elk, I mean, you're going to eventually you're going to fall, you know, and like and you're going to fall on a, with a pat, you know, sometimes a, a heavy pack in your back. So, you know, being durable and having healthy joints and being strong, but that that kind of durability piece, you know, especially as we age, you know, if you're not if you're not kind of taking care of that part you know, the, the falls and, and things like that's really kind of a, a big deal, you know, and that can set you back sometimes to the point where you can't go to the places that you used to be able to go. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, injuries play a big part of it. And I'm really cautious when it comes to, you know, doing sports anymore. Like I gave up basketball, even gave up softball just because I don't want to get hurt for hunting season. Right. And, you know, if right. you're not out doing those types of things and you go to take off from first to try to do a first to third, um, yeah. on a double and stretch it out a little bit you're gonna pull a hamstring or you know <laughs> right it's it's a fact of life it's just uh yeah. you know as much as we work out and try to stay in shape it's still uh there's different things that it's just not the risk isn't worth the reward anymore yeah. and you know i just find the be- the best thing for me from a training standpoint is to is to get out there you know throw a 30 40 pound pack on um go pound the mountains every chance i get not only you know hiking but shed hunting and scouting um, but at the same time, I, I also try to, you know, thanks to Bubba and I got to, you know, throw a pitch in here for him. He's, uh, really brought me a long way on strength training and not even, you know, just not even full strength training, but, uh, agility, um, just trying to, like he said, try to build the, build the joints and, and strengthen the, the core muscles and the main muscles so that, uh, I'm less prone to injury. 
um, and, and able to be more durable um, and, and stronger. Um, I used to be one of those guys where I hated to lift weights and, you know, I could go run, I could literally go run 20 miles if you told me to, but man, it, you know, it's just, the strength is really, especially as we age and the muscles start to deteriorate and degrade a little bit. Um, I found it really important to stay up on the strength training and I don't, I mean, I don't have to go lift, you know, max out on my bench press or my squats or anything like that, but, um, just going through the motions, even if it's lightweight, high reps, uh, mixing in some some different things with a little bit heavier weights occasionally, but uh, I, I've started to find a pretty good balance, and I think that uh, a lot of my recent success has, has been because go further, go longer, um, and stay longer. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a big part of it. What? So thank thanks for yeah thanks for that. What, um, so when it comes to like the most physically demanding hunts that you've been on, what would you say the limiting factor is physically usually? Um, physically, so, I would say, you know, it's physically, it's the thing between my ears. Yeah. Okay. It's mental toughness. And yeah. it's not, I know it's not a physical trait, but it's, it's what in my, in my mind, um, there's been a couple times where I have, you know, looking back in hindsight, I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have went further here. Um, and I, as, as I think about it, my body hadn't given up, hadn't got to the point that it gave up. My mind gave up. Yeah. And I think as, uh, you know, again, as, as you get older and you test yourself further and, and, uh, figure out what your limits are or where your limits aren't, um, I'm able to push farther than I ever have and, um, do, you know, and, and technology helps and stuff, right? Yeah. I've have an inreach a little yeah. mini inreach Garmin, which is like an emergency communicator. So I'm, I'm not as, you know, going out solo and being in 10 or 15 miles, you know, I've got emergency resources available through technology. Um, yeah. I use the Onyx uh, mapping system a lot. So I'm able to, you know, GPSs were great. I, I actually started with an old map and compass <coughs> and uh, you know, Onyx has taken all the work out of that, which you know, in hindsight, I, I wish that it was kind of, you know, it's a great tool, but now it's made it easier for everybody um, yeah. where guys that you used to know how to run a map and a compass, man, they had a big advantage because nobody would generally put in the time. They didn't have it at their fingertips um, like they do an app, right? There's an app for everything now. So right. I, I think that's, uh, but physically limiting bubs, I think, uh, if, if it truly to answer your question, if it came down to something physical, I, I would generally back out because, or the end of my hunt would come from a point where I would get to the point where shoot, there's no way I can get a bull out of this hole that I'm in right now. Um, yeah. So it would um, generally, it was trying to use common sense where, you know, it's, it's September, it's 85 degrees. I'm elk hunting down here. And if I kill a bull in here, 12 miles, there's no way I'm going to be able to get it out in time on my back, um, without the thing spoiling. So, yeah. um, I guess you would say that it's just endurance and, and, and legs would probably be the, the first thing to go. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is, you know, I was, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, and you know, as far as the, 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 when you talked about the spot, between, the, the place between yours is the most important, that was actually something we were going to get into. And I'm really, really happy that you mentioned that because, you know, if, if, 
and not even just like meant the grit and the, the, the perseverance part of your brain. And just that, that never quit attitude It's actually being intelligent and wise with your decisions too. Right. So, you know, and I, I know both of us have been in situations when we've been hunting where, you know, one little slip could have cost us, I mean, really cost us our life probably a number of spots. Yep. So being smart also when, you know, like, like, especially this past September, it was just crazy hot. And, you know, I mean, everybody was dealing with the same conditions pretty much throughout the entire Western United States and, you know, being smart as far as from a hydration standpoint. So, so not just that never quit attitude, but also being smart about stuff too. Um, But as far as, yeah, as far as demand, the physical, the actual physical demands, um, I would, I would agree that again, depending on the type of hunt you're doing, um, but especially if you're mountain hunting for elk and sheep and goats and, and moose and things like that, um, endurance, I would a hundred percent agree with you as far as the physical demands being endurance, the, the limiting factor being endurance in that way. Yeah, I think so. And like, to your point about, uh, this September, I, I, I think back to, um, a hunt, I killed a, a really nice six point. I think it was September 5th this year with my bow and it was in, I think it was, it was pushing four miles in and some, some really rugged, nasty country. Um, thankfully, um, I had two of my good friends with me and we were able to one trip that bowl. So we, uh, deboned the elk, um, uh, took the head and the cape and the entire elk deboned, um, with all of our hunting gear two bow that yeah, we had two bows, um, and all of our gear, we were, we, you know, it was a, it was a push, but the three of us were able to get that big bull, uh, off the mountain. And if we would have had to make two trips there, I'm not so sure that the, uh, the meat would have been good when we got back because when we got to, we got to my truck, started my truck up, I think it said it was, it was right around 90 degrees. It was like 89 or something like that. Um, yeah. but you know, that's just straight miserable and yeah. you, you, there's not a lot of time, um, for that meat to stay good. If it's in the shade, I mean, it probably would have made it and especially deboned in game bags, but man, you just really got to pay attention because, you know, as ethical hunters, the last thing we want is to ever waste any meat or, or do anything like that, that would compromise the animal and the integrity of the animal. So, um, yeah, that, that was just, that was a tough one, but the, you know, I think we were all darn near dead by the time we got out of there. I had a water bladder that had a hundred ounces of water, and it was, it was long gone before we got out and, uh, dehydration was going to be, become a real issue for us. Um, luckily there was a little bit of water, so we could have probably filtered some if we had to. Um, but, uh, it was, it was definitely getting to that point where, uh, endurance and, and the body was just starting to get pretty fatigued for sure. Nice. Thank Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, talk to us about, so you talked about water, you know, so let's talk a little bit about gear. So as far as, you know, what kind of, I guess the first question might be, what do you feel like that, you know, the most important, if you would just give a small list, like this is the gear that you, you really absolutely have to have, uh, not only just have to have, but maybe spend a little bit more, uh, money on your purchase as far as certain types of gear. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it varies, right? What type of hunting you're going to be doing. Um, the, the type of hunts that I generally do are I'm hunting off my back a lot. Um, you know, which means throwing a pack on and whether it's a day trip or three or four days camped out somewhere, um, most of the time I'm, I'm packing in. So, um, with that, you know, you're, you're trying to spot the animal 
I think my number one piece of, uh, of gear is, is my binoculars. Um, I've spotted, I would say 80% of the animals that I've taken, <coughs> excuse me, have, have really been as a result of, of my glasses and, you know, being able to glass effectively and to spot, um, spot animals. Yeah, it's not always like that, depending on the type of terrain you're hunting. If you're in thick timber, it's probably not that big of a deal. But at least where I hunt, it's open country. Um, there's parks, there, but being able to see two or three miles and pick an animal out um, and, and know that they're there is, is probably, that's probably the number one priority on my list. Um, in addition to that, I would say having a good quality pack, um, that could really make or break you. If you have a pack that just rides terrible on your body, and doesn't fit well, um, you're just not going to be able to go as far. And, you know, your shoulders are going to get sore. Your back's going to get sore. You're not going to be able to carry your weight effectively. So um, having a high quality, I'm not saying it has to be super expensive um, because everybody uh, everybody has a budget. And and my feedback and, and, and what I always say to people is get the best you can, but don't, don't, make, don't break the bank either. You know, you got to be smart with your money. So um, right. even the lower to medium end, uh, binos packs and stuff like that are amazing compared to the stuff I was using back in the mid to late eighties. Right. <laughs> or bows, especially, I think you, you've, uh, you've seen that a lot lately as you've started to get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about that. So as far as weapon of choice, you know, so let's talk about, you know, how do you go about selecting a, a firearm or a bow or, you know, you know what? I guess what, what are some things to think about, or that you think about when you're selecting a weapon, and even the preparation with the weapon or any type of equipment that you use. Yeah, you know, so I think you start by trying to figure out what uh, what your goals are, and you know, do you want to? Are you going to go antelope hunting, or or is that is your goal to kill an antelope buck this year, or is your goal to go on an elk hunt and and be successful and and, and then start from there. Um, I, I love archery hunting. I especially love archery elk hunting. Um, I'm not a purist by any means. So I, I do uh, a lot of rifle hunting as well. And, and I love it. Every, every hunt brings a different uh, sort of adventure. And, and to me, that's what it's really about is just the different experiences. And, um, you know, if I was strictly, the way I look at it is if I was strictly a bow hunter, look at all the fun I get to have uh, during rifle hunts. Um, or if I was a rifle hunter, you know, look, what would I be missing out if I, if I didn't bow hunt as well? So to me, it's about spending the most amount of time in the field and getting the most, uh, um, experiences that I can every year. So when it comes down to that, it's, it's really, um, you know, if there was somebody that was starting from scratch, I would just try to figure out what the goal was. And if you wanted to just go out and, and kill an elk, um, then you got to decide if you're going to go archery or rifle and, and then, you, you know, you can choose your caliber or, or, you know, based on what animal you're hunting. And, and then, you know, I always say to pick something that's totally versatile, like, you know, something that you can shoot antelope with to elk or anything bigger than that. And, you know, honestly, that's most of the big game, game calibers anymore have gotten to be so good that they're they're all pretty good. So um, I don't know. Every you, It's kind of like a Ford or a Chevy, right? Everybody will tell you what the best caliber is out there. Um, yeah. but just do, do your research, figure out what you're after and then, uh, pick something that you think is going to be versatile. I always like to pick something that, uh, you know, that can be handed down to, 
you know, if you're getting started, pick something up that you can uh, hand down to your kids or whatever, so they can hopefully fall in line behind you. Um, yeah. And, you know, as far as bows go, I, I go shoot everyone in the archery shop. Um, I start at the bottom and, you know, you know, this is the cheaper ones. And sometimes I end up with a bow that isn't the, you know, super expensive and it just f- shoot whatever fits you perfectly and what you're most comfortable with. And if you're comfortable with the weapon, whatever it is, you're going to be most accurate with it. Um, and then from a preparation standpoint, I, sh- I shoot a bow 12 months out of the year. Um, obviously I ramp up during summer and, uh, as, it, as hunting season gets there, but I at least pull it out, um, every week or two and, and shoot a bunch, um, or as much as I possibly can. Obviously I wasn't out shooting this morning. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did, and I shot last, uh, I shot two weeks ago. I did that coos deer hunt in Arizona. So I shot my bow a bunch thin getting ready for that. Um, and, and the same goes for a rifle. Um, you know, growing up, we would go sight our rifle in the week before hunting season and take off hunting, right? That's, mm-hmm. if you really want to be successful and you want to be good at your, uh, at your trade or whatever you're trying to do, you gotta, you gotta just put time in and man, some, some of the, I, I shoot my rifle more now than I ever have. And the results are really shown, um, you know, and, you know, I extend my range out as well. I'm not a long range guy by any means, but, uh, just if you can shoot 500 yards rather than 300 yards, that's a, there's a lot of animals that are, that are going to be in trouble there or animals that could get away if, if you're not successful. So I, I, Oh, and there, there's a, there's a, I want to make sure I hit on this point. There's a couple of points I want to hit on real quick. So what would you say that, so you said you're shooting more now yep. and w- would you say in general that you're shooting more, even with the bow now that you maybe did like 15 or 20 years ago? No, honestly, I think that, uh, growing up man i grew up in this town where that's all we did was shot our shot bows and i grew up uh this kid in my class brian kelzer and his dad was probably the most accomplished archer i've ever met personally and they shot recurves and man scott kelzer has killed so many animals and cool animals and all of it with a recurve and i was you know lucky enough that uh, i learned from those guys and you know to this day i still think they're some of the best archers out there and but they just really drove the, drove the uh, passion home to me on archery and boy, growing up and, and even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I shot nonstop and, you know, life gets in the way, uh, not to make excuses, but I haven't shot. It seems like I shoot my bow less now and my rifle more now than I used to. And, you know, it's no excuse. I need to shoot my bow even more than I do. Um, but yeah, I would say I shoot it less now and, you know, when I pull it out, I'm, it's dialed in, I'm comfortable with it. Um, my effective, I will tell you that my effective range is less now with a bow than it's ever been. And to be honest, a lot of that is my, my, my eyes, man, my eyes are not as sharp as they used to be. So it's really, Mm -hmm. as, as the distances get out there, I'm not able to focus as well and pick my spot. Um, yeah, you know, it's part of aging and I got a set of glasses that I've been, man, I've been shooting with my glasses on. It makes a heck of a difference. And you got, you got to get that LASIK, man. Uh, I guess that's, I guess that's the rave. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I've got astigmatism and I, I don't think the success is as good on that. I don't know. I don't, but, uh, well, I need to do so something. My, so, so my, I guess what I was trying to get out of you is, uh, 
So the reason I shoot more now, both both with a, a, a rifle or gun uh, and, and bow, is because of the animals that I've missed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, in, in, I think it's really important to, to make this point to people that are listening to this, is that you said you got to put the time in. And to get better at anything, whether it's hunting, whether it's, you know, fishing, baseball, basketball, whatever you're trying to get good at, you have to put the time in. You know, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate because, I, you know, I've been guiding for guiding hunts for, gosh, I think over 10 years now, you know, in this past fall, I got to I got to go on about over a little over 40 hunts. Wow. And, you know, so and, you know, I get better at, at hunting, you know, there's something that happens in each one of these hunts where I personally get better at it, you Absolutely. know, and I still am not even close to be being the hunter that that some other people are but um i think it's it's really important to note that you know especially if you've hunted and you've gotten you know whether with a bow or rifle and you've had uh that that buck or that bull or that sheep or whatever whatever you're hunting in your sights and you miss or something happens you maybe you slip on a rock or something happens and and that that animal that you were trying to get you know, goes off in the distance or even worse, maybe you made a poor shot. And, you know, so those are the type of things I think I look back in my past that I didn't really take as seriously as I do now, because I, I think, it, you know, because it's happened to not just myself, but people that I've, I've helped guide, even uh, friends and family is that there, it sticks in the back of my mind. I'm like, gosh, dang, I got to get better at this and that. And that's why I put the time, more time in now. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Bubs. Even though I've never missed myself, I know guys that have. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Oh. What is that? The uh, oh, masterful professor of El Canin and poetry. not even close, man. I've missed. So yeah, I'd hate <laughs> to tell you how many times I've missed, but you're exactly right. And yeah, that is the man. That's one thing that will get you cranking and, and practicing is, is a good miss. And yeah, I, I still have uh, nightmares about a archery deer that I missed it. Oh man. It was, it, it was a shot that I normally could have made, made, but, uh, well over 200 inches best biggest deer i've ever seen with a tag in my pocket and uh yeah i whiffed and it, to this day it still haunts me and i've still haven't killed a buck over 200 inches so yeah it's so what so so what happened on that can you tell, tell well it was that? actually i was didn't have a clue that that deer was in there and i was um working down a ridge um kind of looking after some other bucks and i came around the corner and he was laying in his bed at like i think it was 60 yards and I absolutely freaked. Like I got buck fever, like you have never seen before. I am not one to get like that. You know, I've hunted a lot, um, but holy cow, I, I lost it. And yeah. I was shaking, and I kept trying to calm myself down. And I, I thought I did the best. You know, I calmed myself down the best that I could, and I uh, let the arrow fly, and it uh, shot right. It actually took hair off of his brisket right behind his shoulder. And, uh, you know, never drew blood or anything, but yeah, the, the buck of a lifetime, I, I missed by probably four inches right there. What did you, so get, give the audience, uh, what, what, what did you feel like after that? Oh yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you're, it's, it's really a tough, uh, that's a tough time, man. One second, you're just mad at the world and not mad at yourself um you want to throw your bow and give up bow hunting instantly um, <laughs> and then you're sad like like man and and, and then 
you go through like the stages of grief basically. And then yeah. finally you're like, I'm never picking up a boat ever yep. again. <laughs> yep. And then an hour later, of course, I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to get another opportunity at that deer and ended up shooting a pretty yeah. nice deer uh, a few days later. But um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> for somebody that's as passionate about it as we are. It's uh, yeah, that's, that's about as low as a guy can get. Well, and I think, you know, for, for people that, you know, cause there's going to be people that are maybe just getting into hunting and they're listening to this, you know, it's, you know, I think it's hard to articulate, you know, how much time, you know, sometimes, you know, def- depending on the hunt, how much time you put in, I mean, especially for, you know, with stuff like sheep, there's not as many animals, you know, you're typically, you know, a lot of times looking for a needle in a haystack and you can go days where you don't even see an animal. And, and then, you know, you've, do, you've done all this preparation for really, you know, seven, eight months, maybe, or maybe even longer. Um, you know, if you talk about the, the, the amount of time it takes to draw certain uh, licenses, and then you finally, you get the opportunity, you're within range, you're at full draw, and the arrow or the, the bullet doesn't go where you want it to go. And, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even explain the feeling. It, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's such an empty feeling i mean I, I i'll just go ahead and tell you a story i you know i i missed uh my first whitetail buck with my bow in a tree stand it was a ladder stand i was 14 years old or 15 and the we had a, a decoy set out it was right at the peak of the rut and the deer literally rubbed the bottom of the ladder of the tree stand <laughs> that's how close the deer was and he was i don't know probably 12 yards away i drew back and when I drew back, I, I remember now I didn't ink, I didn't, uh, I didn't rest. My anchor point was out actually away from my face. So I, when I, I was, I, I was shaken and I remember I drew back and I, my, my index finger, my whole right hand is probably six inches away from my face. So I shoot, not only did I shoot like a foot left of the nose of this thing it was facing broadside, uh, looking to my left, I shot another two foot over it at like 12 yards and <laughs> And then this thing was rutting so hard, it ran out to 30 yards, broadside again, looking at this decoy, looking at me, looking at the decoy, looking at me, looking at the decoy. I get, I get another shot at this thing at 30 yards. And this is a whitetail. Whitetail don't do no. this. And I let another one fly. It sailed over his back. And I threw my bow out of the tree. I threw my hat, my beanie out of the tree. And uh, I, I vowed I was never going to bow hunt ever again after that. <laughs> I was... I still, I still got after it, you know, and at 14 years old, I felt like a huge failure and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I think it, it, it it's, you know, it's just going to happen. You know, if you, if you hunt long enough, especially with archery equipment, you're, you're, uh, it's going to happen. You're going to miss. And not only that, if you hunt long enough, you're probably going to miss a really nice animal at some point. And I think it's important to know that, especially people that this is going to happen to at some point that you just got to, you just got to get back in there. You just got to keep trying and keep grinding. Absolutely. Yeah. No matter, you know, the last hunt I was on this year, um, was in Arizona. It was my first ever coos deer hunt archery and, uh, went down there, spent quite a bit of time, um, spotted a giant coos deer, you know, well over a hundred inches, um, and did a two and a half hour stock to get up and around, um, and in position of this buck. And there's actually two bucks together. I come up over the top of a cliff and I see the smaller buck at like 40 yards and I could kind of lean back and I, I could see the back half 
of the bigger buck right there. And they kind of were getting a little bit jittery. The smaller buck kind of jumped a little bit and I had my pack on, I had my bow ready and I had to kind of sidestep and then lean back so I could clear the edge of this cliff that I was on. Um, and I, so I settled the pin. That's the only way that I could get a shot at the big buck was kind of leaning back. So it was a really weird angle straight down and then lean back. And I felt comfortable and, you know, just, I had to basically run that arrow right next to that cliff to get into his vitals. And, you know, as soon as I released, I could feel it. One of my, literally one of my fletchings, um, it was either a fletching or maybe a blade of my broadhead skimmed the edge of that cliff and it just sent my arrow off and, uh, missed that coos deer, which would have been a, I mean, an absolute giant coos deer to kill with a bow on my first ever hunt. But, uh, yeah, just goes to show that, you know, I've been killing elk and deer uh, successfully for 30 years in a row. And, you know, there was my last hunt and I screwed up on a, on a heck of a buck. And, um, well, and put to put this in perspective, if people, uh, don't know what coos deer are, they're a subspecies of whitetail found Southwestern United States and, and mainly Arizona. And their, their nickname is the gray ghost and they, they're, they're named the gray ghost because they're impossible to hunt. Yep. <laughs> and, they're, I mean, they're, they're hard enough to hunt with a rifle, let alone a bow. And I mean, just to be able to get in a position where you get a shot opportunity with a bow, that's to me, you know, is, is success as far as I'm oh, concerned. Oh, absolutely, man. It was a fantastic hunt. I didn't draw blood, you know, on that. And it's just, it, you know, it, it, that's really, to me, it, I'll always remember that stock. And, you know, of course I miss, but what a great adventure that was to go down there, see some new country, try something different. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what it's about anymore for me, man. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, I think that, yeah, you're, you're right. I think, you know, when I, you know, I happened to grow up in a, in a household where my, you know, it was mostly, I got my introduction to hunting as a, as a young trophy hunter, which I don't think is the, probably the best way to learn hunting, uh, because it, you know, when it becomes, uh, you know, about more about the size of the animal and, instead of the experience, I think sometimes that you can get a little bit lost in that. I know, um, you probably experienced that. Mm -hmm. I have, um, it, you know, not, not to put it, the trophy hunting down because we all want to shoot nice animals and, you yeah. know, and to some, to a certain degree, you know, the, the bigger, the animal, typically the smarter, not all the time, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, if you can get to the point where it's more about the experience and you appreciate, the whole experience, you know, as far as the hunt and, you know, if you're with friends, the camaraderie and like you had people come up and help, help you know, uh, friends come and help you pack out elk out. I mean, you know, that, that's a, to me anymore. That's as fun as the actual hunt itself is, is just hanging out and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So one of the thing, one of the questions I ask everybody on the show is, you know, what, if you, if you were to look back and I know there's, there's a lot of hunts to draw from, but, uh, what, what do you, would you say your, or take us through your, what you think your hardest or most, uh, I guess, physically and mentally demanding hunt that you've ever been on was, and I know there's probably a lot, um, one that, yeah, sticks one that kind of sticks out for me. Oh man, I've had some, I've had some rough ones, but, uh, one that, um, as far as like, or, or if you have a couple, yeah, the, the one that, you know, kind of a recent one. So my friend Bob Kenner and I, we were back in uh, the backcountry in Wyoming. Um, let's see, it was 2017 or 18. And <clears throat> man, 
uh, we were in, so camp to base camp on our backs was nine miles. Um, so we took obviously a tent, all of our gear all the way in, um, two rifles. Um, I think I would guess that our packs were 50 pounds probably. Um, we were planning to go in and spend a week. Um, so we get back in there and we had to, we camped on this ridge and there's really not a lot of water. And if you want to get to water, you know, to have food and stuff like that, and obviously water to drink, you have to drop about a half mile down. So every, you know, once a day or every other day, we were dropping a thousand or more vertical feet down just to get water from where we were camping. Um, anyhow, um, Bob ended up killing a deer. Well, it was, uh, it was so stinking hot out and there was all kinds of forest fires around. So we packed that. There was no way that that deer was going to um, stay good if we were going to stay in there. So really our only option, we had two tags. He had one and I had one. Our only option was to go hike and, and take that deer all the way back out and get it in the cooler and get it on ice. So we hiked all the way out uh, with the deer. We were actually about two miles past camp where he killed it. So we took the deer out about 11 miles um, on our back, got it all taken care of, got it cooled down, got it in some ice, and then hiked, spent the night at the truck. The next morning before daylight, we hiked all the way back in, um, kind of hunted our way in, actually. Um, so another nine miles and then hunted that night. Um, and, I mean, there was literally like forest fires burning around us. Like it was, it was nasty, man. And, wow. uh, so from a mental standpoint, it was hot and, and, you know, really had to keep an eye on those fires. We got out to my truck and we had an evacuation notice. Um, but anyhow, I ended up killing. Wait, there was a, wait, there was an evacuation, like a note on your, no, it was actually on the radio. Like they, they were evacuating oh. <laughs> that whole Canyon that we were in. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I ended up killing a deer the next morning. And so we went out, <clears throat> so we had to, you know, again, it was hot as heck. So we, not only did we pack that deer out, we had to put, we took that deer and all of our camping gear as well, nine miles back out. Um, it was interesting because as soon as we got, it was the year that the guy, the guide got killed up there by Jackson hole. Um, he was with a client and the bear, the grizzly bear attacked and the client had the gun. And anyhow, the guide ended up getting killed by this bear. It was that same weekend yeah. and we were up on wow. this ridge and we just got our packs thrown on. And, uh, there was another camp that was down the ridge from us. Well, um, the fishing game guys from, or two fishing game guys from Wyoming came riding up to our camp. And then they started to tell us about, uh, this bear that had been killed right below our camp, like literally 200 yards below our camp because some guys had killed a deer and this bear was not letting them have it. And, uh, to the wow. point that they, the bear bluff charged him and made a final charge at him and they had to put it down. But, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a bad deal. Um, so we were dealing with fires, we were dealing with bears, um, heat <laughs> and then right. just a lot of long miles and elevation. So that was probably from a physical standpoint, that was, that was definitely one that comes to mind from, from recent years. Um, yeah. Wow. I, that's that you can, you can write a little short story. Yeah. About that yeah. One. That was fun Jeez. though, man. Yeah, um, you know, I just, you know, I just, this just crossed my mind. You know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people watch, you know, hunting television shows and, you know, you can find a lot of stuff on YouTube now, obviously. And I think, you know, you're, you're not a 
professional hunter. You know, you're not sponsored. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really important for people to know that, you know, you have a full-time job, you have a family, yep. you know, and, um, you know, I don't know if you could talk about, um, you know, what, how do you prioritize? How do you, how do you make this kind of stuff happen? You know, having a full-time job and, you know, you're, you're a very successful hunter, you know, probably that, I mean, one of the most successful hunters I know. Um, and how, how are you able to manage everything, <laughs> you know, as out yeah. there and everything. it starts with an extremely supportive wife <laughs> that, yeah. uh, you right. know, <clears throat> and honestly, it's probably good that we, uh, <clears throat> I think we've been married for eight years now. It's probably good that she married me in, in, you know, in my later years, uh, as opposed to my early twenties. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Just because, I mean, man, it's, I try, I think I'm way better at finding balance now. And she yeah. also came into my life when she, she, and you know, that's what, one of the reasons I love her. She appreciates what, like, she knows that, uh, going hunting and, and doing this kind of stuff, it just, it, you know, that's, that's what I live for. So she doesn't try to take that away from me. So, you know, on top yeah. of that, you know, yeah, I do. I've, uh, got a pretty demanding job. Um, I manage a manufacturing plant here. Um, got a lot of people and a lot of responsibility. So it's, uh, it's always a balancing act, man. And, um, you know, there's times I'm, I do pretty good at it and there's times that I fail, but, uh, I think that, uh, yeah. it, it's all about balance and, you know, it's uh, what I try to do, you know, a lot of guys will, you know, I only got what 20 days of vacation. Right. So, um, most people will, a lot of people I know, right. They, uh, it's, it's elk season. So I'm going to go take, uh, a week off or, you know, 12 days of my vacation. And man, I, what I've learned is it's, it's hard to hit it that hard. You know, I would, I try to break my vacation up more and, you Mm -hmm. know, do, if I had a, let's say I had a nine day season to hunt, I would hit it you know, I would take some vacation at the front. I would go home, catch up on work, see my family, um, recharge, you know, maybe on Monday, Tuesday, let the animals settle down after the first couple of days of season. And then, then go back yeah. and hit it, you know, hard the last four or five days. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm always there a few days early scouting too and all that. And most of the time I'm hunting areas that I've hunted or scouted before. Um, so mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's different ways to balance the whole equation out where I try not to be gone for two weeks at a time or even, you know, 10 days at a time. I try to, you know, go do things and go hit it hard for four or five days, come back, take care of my family, take care of my job, make sure I'm not uh, stretching myself too thin with all those. And um, yeah, I'm not perfect, man, but uh, through the years, you learn little tips and tricks to what works best for you may not work best for somebody else. Um, everybody's situation is different, but, uh, I, you know, my, like, like I said, luckily my wife is really understanding. And, you know, I think the thing about the way I approach hunting and, you know, just being outdoors is I tried to do it year round and it's, that's to me, that's the biggest key to my success is, you know, I am in these areas that I'm going to be hunting, you know, nine months out of the year, sometimes 12 months out of the year. And I know what's going on in there. I know what the animals are doing. I know what animals are there. 
Um, I learned, I know the country. So, Hey, you know, um, it's September 5th and I'm up there on this Ridge and I see elk on this uh, Ridge. I know where they're heading. I know what they're doing. So I have an advantage over the guy that is out there for the first time, never been in that area um, that has to make a guess on what's going to happen. It's like, I try to learn every bit I can uh, ahead of time by, you know, just being out there boots on the ground. You know, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And I e-scout as much as anybody. um, And, you know, I look at statistics and tear those apart, but uh, at the end of the day, um, the most beneficial time I have at anything I do to prepare for hunting is, is boots on the ground and, and just being, being out there, man. So I, you know, it's funny. A lot of things are running through my mind as you talk about that. So I think the first thing I got was, you know, if you're, if you're not already married, um, choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I think you, you make a great point there. So, you know, spending time in the areas, mostly if you can, that you're going to hunt and you can, you know, like I did this past, you know, yesterday is Valentine's day. So it's 2021 Valentine's day yesterday. And, you know, my wife and I, we went and stayed in a cabin in the area that I do some hunting in. And, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's snowing out. So it's pushing a lot of the animals down toward the the water. And well, guess what? I made a, you know, a, a nice little Valentine's Day trip. And I did some, I did some scouting, found some bighorn sheep, some elk, a bunch of deer. And, you know, so you can, you can involve your family. Um, just like, you know, like you mentioned, you grew up when you grew up, you know, your mom was a taxidermist yep. for God's sakes. You know, and those kinds of things, you know, try to get your family involved. And that's another without giving too many of our secrets uh-huh. away. Um, you know, I think that that that's one way you can go about, you know, getting more time and more experience in the outdoors. And, you know, you can even, you know, I even I bring my bow where I go and, you know, I start practicing shots in the mountains, Absolutely. you know, and, you know, you throw, uh, you know, one of these uh, these broadhead targets out there that weigh, you know, 20 pounds and get up on a hillside 30 yards, 40, 50 yards, start practicing, you know, uh, at different angles and different shooting positions and things like that. So, no, I think that, you know, I, I think that, you know, you got to start thinking, especially if you have a full-time job and you're as busy as a guy like you is you got to start thinking outside the box a little bit, you know, if you're not a, uh, you know, sponsored, you know, professional hunter, you know, type person, and, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, carve out the time and, you know, do what you have to do to be creative. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the other things you can do is pick your, pick your hunting areas wisely. Right. Um, I know guys yeah. that, uh, you know, they drive to the other side, like six or eight hours away. And, and I do that too, you know, but if you're just going to go do that for like one weekend out of the year or one season out of the year, man, that makes it difficult. Um, where, you know, some of the places I hunt are, you know, an hour or an hour and a half, two hours from, from where I live, or, you know, depending on if I'm antelope hunting or deer hunting, whatever. Um, so I can go out there. I can, it's, it makes it easier, um, for me to spend time in that area. So I think, uh, and and even if you don't hunt those areas, there's still places around where you can go, you know, daylight savings is coming. That's my favorite time of the year because it means that it's going to stay light longer and man, I can go, I can go get a two or three hour hike in just to go out and, and beat the brush and, uh, get in shape and throw a pack on my back and go learn something, um, after work, you yeah. know, it may not be fun getting home at 10 o'clock at night and getting, have to get up early for work the next day, but Hey, you know, that's what, yeah. it, that, 
that's the type of effort that it takes. Um, sometimes it's just going a little bit harder, doing things that aren't always comfortable, but uh, success is in the end. Dude, I, man, everything you said right there is, is spot on, man. Well, you know, I, I know we could probably do this all day long. Um, and I, I definitely want to get, get you back on um, sometime in the near future to talk about some other, I mean, I have a list of questions here that we could go on for quite a while for, but I think it's a good kind of, good time to kind of put a pin in this conversation. And uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on and um, obviously we, we talked quite a bit, so I'll be talking to you here. Sounds shortly. good, Bob. Let's get after it. All right, man. Well, have a good rest of your day and right, uh, we'll talk to you later, man. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you want to check out, we have a Instagram page. It's hunt underscore harder. And we have a Facebook page that is hunt Har- the Hunt Harder podcast. Uh, for any information, if you want to follow, we're going to be posting videos, photos of fitness and hunting related things and uh, tactics, strategies, all that kind of good stuff to, to help you guys out with all the hunting stuff. So if you have any questions, again, uh, you can message me through Instagram, Facebook. Um, you might be able to find my phone number somewhere um, and hit me up. So uh, you guys take care. Bye.